This is Jason Cast. This is Scott Nearman. We are MP Local, where we want you to know that you are not alone. I tell you what, Scott, this business is not easy. It has its own unique challenges. This is not about bottom line only. This is not about profit only. We're about mission and changing communities in the nonprofit world. And that is why we started this podcast called NP Local. All right, all right, you local listeners. Welcome to another episode of MP Local Podcast, where we want you to know you are not alone. I'm Jason Cass. And I'm Scott Nearman. And we are here for you. Scotty, it's good to be back with you, buddy. Yeah, absolutely. What are we talking about today? Well, today we're going to talk about all the fun and exciting stuff. No, actually we are. And we're going to keep this short because we don't want to go on and on. When you hear that word insurance out there, you think to yourself, oh my God, your eyes probably start to roll back in your head. They start to get glossy. I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. But I promise you, I'm going to make this exciting for you. There's three coverages out there that we're always hearing about. And this is one thing that I wanted you to take your message while you're sitting there eating, while you're driving in the car, you're running down the road. However you're listening to this, I want you to keep in mind of cyber liability, employment practices, liability insurance, and also the directors and officers. Now, a lot of your directors and officers, you guys hear a lot about this And you probably are going to some of your meetings and you're hearing, should we be doing this? Maybe some of your board members are saying, hey, what if I do something wrong? Am I covered if I get insured? Now, let's talk about the number one thing that we hear when we'll start right with directors and officers is, well, we don't need any coverage for that because I'm a board member and my umbrella for my homeowners will cover me. Mm. Scott, I know that sounds silly for me to say that, but you would not believe I'm not local listeners and Scott, I'm telling you at least Two to 500 times. I'm not exaggerating. I have heard that in my insurance career. Oh man, Jason, I think I might get sued for something that happened on this board that I was working on, but I'm good, right? Because I got my, I got an umbrella policy for my personal. It's like, no, that, that doesn't work. That doesn't work. I had work. somebody ask me not long ago also what the limit was on the organization's DNO, because I think when you have a high net worth, you need to know that so that it works in conjunction with other policies you may have. You can tell Scott, swear to God, local listeners, he has an insurance license. He really, truly does. But that right there is the smartest I ever heard you say, because that's exactly right. What is a million dollars DNO when you got five, six board members who are worth multi, multi millions, right? Yeah. They can yeah. still be sued personally if it was something that was punitive, it was you know just um, intentional, but most of them aren't. Understand that directors and officers and employment practices liability is something is this. It's not liability is normally doing bodily injury or property damage to somebody. When you're a board member, you're not hitting anybody, not breaking anything. But what you're doing is you're doing what we call wrongful acts. Doesn't mean it was on purpose. If a um, let's take it off of a board member, let's put it all of a sudden same coverage onto a doctor, cutting you, cutting you open, doing something, and he makes a mistake or she makes a mistake. That does not necessarily mean that that they did it on purpose. So what they did is they did what we call a wrongful act. So a lot of times directors and officers will make decisions based on maybe what the executive director or maybe the CFO or maybe the finance committee has recommended. And to their yeah, I'd best- I'd have to think a lot of this has to do with money, investments, right? That's I mean, exactly I think a, what it has to A lot of those decisions, do. policy, poor policy decisions uh, with personnel, things mm-hmm. that can get you sued. 
That's right. Um, or investigated second, by the feds. <laughs> that, no, that's right. And we don't want that shit ever. Uh, I always I always tell people it's the same in the insurance world as nonprofit. If the feds ever come in or the state ever comes in to do an investigation or to look at or to check out, do a, uh, um, an investigation on you, they're going to find something. Even if oh, yeah. you were perfect, the government does not come to your office to do something and walk away and say nothing. They'll find something. Um, I had an agent the other day. He was getting uh, inspected by the state of Illinois. This is a side thing, but they went in, they could. They checked his trust fund, checked everything. He was clean as can be. They went back, said everything was good. They sent him a bill for $10,000. Come to find out he did not have on his corporation, on his check, he didn't have comma INC. He just had the name of his check. So they came back, gave him a $10,000 fine because on his check, he did not have comma INC. When he was talking with the guy later on, they basically admitted, we're going to find something if we come in there. And if you're pretty darn good, we're going to find something. It sounds crazy, but that's the way it is. So you don't want those in there. So the wow. directors and officers could be, we made a decision. If you listen to Scott, he's a couple of times he's mentioned the thing with Garth Brooks and Garth yeah. Brooks was going to give the money for his mom who was in that hospital or whatever. And it didn't right. get used. That was a wrongful act. The right. money was given to the organization. The organization did not use the money in the manner it was used. They didn't intentionally do that. I mean, they, they and even if they intentionally did it, that actually still would be covered sometimes as long as there wasn't any criminal wrongdoing. But in this case, they didn't intentionally do that. So yeah. now they already spent the money. Where are we going to get that million that he gave or half million, whatever it was that he gave? Where are we going to get that from? Well, we're going to get that from there. What if Garth Brooks gave $10 million? And you have a $1 million DNO policy, right? Yeah. There, there we yeah. could be. Now, could, we have to ensure the best that we can and what we can afford, right? We can't just worry about the fact if we get sued for $20 million, because I've been doing this for 22 years and I've never seen anybody get sued for more than like six. And that was a huge contractor doing a skyscraper. So we've got to think about those directors and officers and those decisions that you are actually making. And I will also tell you that sometimes having an insurance person on the board gives great guidance. It really, oh, truly yeah. does. But you also have to make sure that they're understanding that social services, directors and officers, nonprofits are completely different than any other sector out there. And if you're an executive director, uh, executive director listening to this, you know that to be true because you've probably called to get insurance quotes and most agents won't return your phone call or won't call you back. That's why they we specialize know. in it. You got to uh, have somebody that gets it. Got to like get the somebody insurance that alliance. Like the insurance alliance. Call us at theinsurancealliance.com. That's a 618 No, I'm joking about that. <laughs> so directors and officers is a wrongful act. It's very, very important that you have this. And I'm going to tell you right now, this is, this is 1,000% true. In Missouri, Illinois, Kentucky, Indiana, those four states, I could say this solidly. If you have 20 or less people in your organization – your directors and officers is $450 a year. That's your not much money, officers, really, for that protection. No. Go, go tell one of your board members that you're not going to protect them for $450 a year for a million dollars for in case they make a wrongful yeah. decision. And keep in mind, they were asked and, and volunteered to be here. Half of them are scared that they're going to make a wrong decision anyways, you know, even well, though and they're it's not a, going. It's a whole other story, too, whether board, all board members actually understand their fiduciary liability and other uh, decision-making uh, liability that they have, they don't get it. And I would, I would say to our listeners, that's probably 80% of your boards out there. So unless they're a lawyer on your board, maybe an insurance person, they don't completely understand that. 
And mm-hmm. so it's it's good to have those uh, board education sessions or have your insurance agent come to a board meeting and talk about these things that there's real cases. Yeah, we, we've talked about Garth Brooks, but there's real cases that are even more complex that they can probably give you examples of that make that very important conversation. And when I get done with these next two coverages, I'm going to we're going to close up with the the thing that will put money in the organization's pocket guaranteed. Okay, guaranteed. So you got to keep up with that. After we go for DNO, we're going to go directors and officers. We're going to call it EPLI, which is we call employment practices liability insurance. The number one thing we are seeing in organizations, especially nonprofits, when it comes to claims over the last two to three years. Employment practices liability is any practice that you may be liable for as an employer. Employment practices liability. It's any liability that you may be liable for because of the practices you have as an employer. It's real simple when we say that. So what would that mean? Um, Got a claim going on right now in my office. Uh, Sue Ellen is being harassed by Jimmy. Sue Ellen goes up and says, hey, to the to the boss, Jimmy's harassing me. I don't really necessarily like it. He hasn't touched me. He hasn't done anything, but he's just put creating what we call a hostile environment. Okay. Mm-hmm. The boss doesn't go say anything to Jimmy. Jimmy goes in and flirts with Sue Ellen again. Now Sue Ellen is forced to quit because it's a hostile environment. She has to leave her job to go leave her job because of not feeling protected in the work place. She could turn around and sue the boss or the organization and say, you did not adequately protect me. Those were practices you should have been better at as an employer. And now you created a liability. That's one we see. The normal ones you see is the ADA compliance. Right. Got to be ADA. You could be sued for that. Um, uh, Gender uh, discrimination, wrongful termination. Those are the ones that everybody thinks about. But really, to be honest with you, those aren't the ones that happen. It's the little bitty things that you're not managing as an employer with your practices internally is really, really important. Well, that's that's another another, you know, way to remedy that also is having your policies in place. And so if you don't have a whistleblower policy, if you don't have a code of ethics, uh, these are things that are best practices Very in the well field. Said. And so uh, go get one, go get a sample, borrow it from a peer in a similar organization, but you got to have a, a process. So if it is the boss, the ED, the CEO, the president, that's the problem that there's some other board member or committee or um, somebody that they can go to as an employee that they're Scott, comfortable if they wanted to get that with. information from you, where do they reach out to you at? If they wanted to get your, maybe look at some of your stuff. Uh, yeah, go to uh scottnearman.com and uh, my emails on there so you can reach out to me. Uh, happy to there talk to anybody about that. Yeah. Cause he's got a lot of this stuff. I mean, it's just, it's Scott. He's a freaking geek. It's why he follows it. And it's why he's good. And I say that stuff. He laughs and I hope you are too local listeners. Cause I love this guy. He's, he's great for what an organiz- organization should be. I believe in him so much that I asked him to join my agency so that he can actually give the education that we're trying to give you right now, but down there in Tennessee where we're not able to reach right now um, out of our four or five states we do business. But here's the third part of employment practices liability. This is brand new, brand new, brand new coverage to employment practices liability. Just got added in the last couple of years, like Interesting. maybe last 18 months. It's called third party employment practices liability. So when you get employment practices liability, you want to say, does that include third party? And your agent's going to look at you and go, holy crap, this person knows something about insurance. 
And that's just because you listen to NPB Local Podcast, where we are here for you. So the <laughs> thing is, is that it, you can be sued for a third party. Okay, so let's say that somebody is uh, your person is out there getting donations, and some somebody that they're trying to get donations from says no, and all of a sudden they just start going off on them, telling them that they're worthless. Da 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 da. As an employer, you should be able to control the actions of your employees and you're responsible for the actions of your employees if they would pertain to a bad practice, which is insulting, yelling, screaming, threatening, all that stuff that can come mm. about. So this is something that wasn't covered, but we're now starting to realize it's just not the actions of the employer itself, it's, but it's also the employee that can be covered for those. Or maybe they didn't take the donation from them because they thought they were too old. I'm just making something up. That is discrimination and the organization can be sued, but also so can the employee and it covers that third party liability. Okay. Real cool. That is very interesting. Thank you for adding that. Brand new. Okay. So, and, and I guarantee you, I promise you call your agent right now and ask them if they have it. Majority of the time, the agent's going to say, I got to call you back. Cause he doesn't even, he or she doesn't even know what it is. I'm telling so you. So let me ask serious. you one last question about EPLI. So if I'm in an organization, you know, Jason, I'm in a college foundation. And so as employees, we are employees of the college. But yet mm -hmm. the 501c3 foundation doesn't have employees. Do we still need EPLI? Yes, you do, because it covers also for volunteers as well. But also ah. you could also there could be a, a something said that the that the college could say, hey, even though you're an employer of ours, you were doing actions that were outside of the typical means of the foundation or the college. And so ah. you're actually kind of on your own on there. You yeah. want that because the organization's being covered by the EPLI, but you want coverage for a third party in their actions as well. Okay. Very, very, right. very important. Volunteers is also another thing. I won't go there. Not all volunteers are covered on all policies. This is why it's important that you have a nonprofit or a social service is what I like to call them policy. And what that means is, is that's written specifically to be able to include coverage for volunteers. Very, and very that's important. so important for nonprofits. Mm -hmm. So they we all, all used yeah. volunteers. Yeah, yeah. I, I know it's unbelievable. I, I'm not going to. I'm not joking. I would say half of you guys out there have insurance policies that don't cover volunteers. Being yep. dead serious. Being dead serious. This is why when you call an agent and they say no, we can't help you versus another agent that can. In the state of Illinois, there's only like four companies you can use that have all the coverages. There's only four. So if that person doesn't have that, they're not able to give you those. Okay. Yeah. Number three. We did DNO, directors and officers. We did employment practice liability. Also remember a third party. Number three, huge one. We got hit this week. Cyber liability. But because I want you to be cool, it's cyber insurance. See, but people keep saying, oh, you got cyber liability. You got cyber liability. Liability is when we do as an organization bodily injury or property damage to someone else. So let's say someone comes into your files and steals your donor records and then goes and uses that against them. Yeah, that's it right there. Cyber liability. You, they have some kind of financial loss, it, whatever but loss it could possibly be. that's just one piece of it, isn't it? That's one piece. Because guess what we had this week? It's where we get attacked ourselves, and they hold our own information. Mm -hmm. It's not liability when it's our stuff. It's insurance. It's like homeowners insurance. It's because your home's getting burned down. And they don't you call it homeowners loss. liability. You know, they call it homeowners insurance. This is cyber insurance. And here's what's happening. And Scott, 
Scott, this is phenomenal what's happening. These people are incredibly smart. So there's two main ways they're getting us. And actually the main way that most society thinks is not being used anymore. So I'll get through this in just a minute and just one minute. But here's the thing. You have cyber liability, the one that we all know of. They came into our system, they locked down our system, and they won't give us the our, our, our information back until we give them um, $300,000, right? And it's got to be paid in crypto and all this stuff like that. That is a form of cyber that's been happening that's now actually going away. The new one is the scary one. Okay. So what would happen in the past is you would have to give them the ransom money and then they would release your stuff. This is the key right here. There's two different types of policies. There's one that is going to, when you get the ransom note says $300,000, you send it to your insurance company. They pay the 300,000 and get your information back correct, uh, adequately. That insurance costs a little bit more. There's another type of cyber insurance that says this, they send you the ransom for $300,000. You send it to your insurance company. Your insurance company says, you pay it. Then once this is over, we'll reimburse you. Those usually cost a little bit less, but do you have a first dollar or do you have a reimbursement policy? When you're getting yeah. the cyber, you want to make sure that if you get sued for $2 million, are you going to have the $2 million and have them reimburse you? Or do you need the insurance company? If one policy, if the reimbursement costs five thousand, I would say the first dollar would cost eight thousand. Just giving you a rough cost there, okay? It's how if much the, risk if, you're going to assume, right? What depends on what risk you're going to assume. The average cyber liability that we write for a nonprofit is anywhere between fifteen hundred to twenty five hundred dollars a year, and, and I'm talking these are twenty, thirty people well, or less. And Jason, I've I've been a part of uh, having. Um, uh, an attack and, and um, oh. you know, the, the business interruption that that causes the staff hours, it's, it's very much worth that, even though that price tag may sound high, particularly the, the smaller nonprofits. But if you think about lost staff hours, the other thing, correct me if I'm wrong, is these, any, so right. either one of those policies are going to have some expert legal advice on the other end through that attorney, mm -hmm. through that insurance agency. And that's a very specialized field as well. So if you don't have mm -hmm. somebody in your town or on your board that you know you can go to, uh, I actually, scary. Jason, you would know the guy, uh, one of the guys, uh, but I called uh, a friend of mine that specializes in in some of this big data stuff that is an attorney, you may remember, mm -hmm. uh, and ask him a few questions, you know, buddy from high school. And so, you know, if you don't have somebody like that, you can call, you need that through it's the scary. insurance company. No, it's really scary. It's really, really scary. So now here, here's the thing though. This is the interesting part and we want to wrap this up. I want to keep it to 20 minutes. Here's where they're making your, their money. What they're doing is, is right now, according to the FBI, over 90% of all of our computers right now are infected. They're sitting there watching. I'm going to tell you what happened with a client of ours. A client of ours is a large construction contractor. They're building a um, new hospital down in Southern Illinois. They are to be paid $254,000 in the next installment. The architectural firm is the one that's charged of putting the money out. What has happened is, is there is something inside a bot sitting inside of those, those um, mailbox inboxes and it's watching and it starts to listen. The bot does, will start to listen to the conversation and notice when they start talking about invoicing, it will then attract and highlight this to a human who will then come and watch the conversation going back and forth, knowing that the $254,000 is getting ready to be invoiced from the, the contractor to invoice the architect to pay for that. 
before it goes out, boom, email is sent to the architect. They added one S inside the email address to the name of the business. So you wouldn't have known that there was two S's. And they said, here's the invoice for $254,000. Here's the wiring instructions. Go ahead and send it on. What did that person do? Didn't do anything wrong. They did what they thought they were supposed to do. CFO or assistant sends over the $254,000. Two days later, guess what else comes? Another invoice for $254,000. And the CFO says, wait a minute, we just paid this. And they say, no, we didn't just pay this. And come to find out, here's the problem with this. A lot of you would think that the bank returned that money. No, they didn't. You, if you give authorization to your bank account for them to withdraw the money and wire it out, the mm. bank's not on the hook. The bank's thought is you should have known this. Now, if you're sitting at home and someone buys a surfboard out of your bank account and you didn't give them permission, yes, that's put back in there. But not if you voluntarily give them the money, even if it's to the wrong wow. person. Cyber insurance. Now here's the deal. The contractor that this happened to, right? That it didn't, it actually happened to the architect, but he was involved. Um, his his cyber insurance was over fourteen thousand dollars. The guy literally kept being mean to us, thinking that we were insurance agents trying to sell him a policy he didn't need. That dude called us less than two hours later after the FBI called him and he said, Get me that damn policy. I don't care how much it costs. And he got it. Here's the thing. He didn't get it affected then. I will let you know this because I didn't use names. The architectural firm did not have cyber liability insurance. Mm. Mm. So they're just mm. out. They're just out. 254000 You know what? That's the most expensive cyber liability policy there ever is. So, hey, those are the three things. Now, I want to do this because I told you I'd save you money, and I'm sorry, but we got DNO, we got EPLI, and we have got uh, cyber liability insurance or cyber insurance. Here's what you want to do. You want to make sure that you get three quotes from every one of your agents. Here's what happens, folks. There's something out there called blocking the markets. If your one agent has all of the four companies, let's say in Tennessee or Illinois or wherever you're listening to this, there's only four companies in the state of Illinois one agent will get your information and he'll send it to all of those carriers. And when he does, any other agents try to go there, they blocked. Insurance agency, insurance carriers only accept one submission from one agent and one agent only. So what happens is, is you now have one agent who's went out there and blocked all the markets. And you may think, well, he's going to give me four quotes. Well, she may only give you one quote, right? And she just leaves the other three blocked. Here's what you do. If you know that there's four companies out there, pick two, three, or four agents, or just pick two, pick your incumbent and one other, and tell them the companies they get to use and tell them, I expect to see a quote from those specific carriers. Mm -hmm. Now, as an executive director or who CFO, whoever you are listening to this, you're getting a quote, just not from the one that the insurance agent wants to give you. You're getting a quote from the carriers that you specifically said, I want quotes from them. That switches the game. And what it allows is for the agents to actually get real. And it also allows you to have access to more carriers. More carriers is more competition, more competitions, lower prices, lower prices means more money we can give to our, to the people who need it the most. And it's the whole reason why we are a nonprofit in the first place. Scott, right. you got anything else to wrap up with that? I'm just going to say, folks, you saw how excited Jason Cass gets about insurance and he calls me the nerd. Come on. <laughs> True. He loves you got me stuff. there, Scott. You got me there. You got me. I am nerd about this. So anyways, so all you local listeners, Scott, I am the nerd. You have anything else you want to say? 
No, I think uh, this has been an excellent program. Go back and listen to our April 2021 program on some of the basics in nonprofit insurance. We may have talked about a couple of more things a year ago, mm-hmm. but just know that the insurance markets are changing uh, every year. And uh, this is where you can get the latest and encourage you to keep in contact with your agents so that you can uh, know what's going on and know what to expect when you come comes up for renewal. I appreciate you, Scott, and I think they appreciate us. I don't know why we've got them fooled. I wish we could fool them like we're, you know, wish we could fool our wives like we have them fooled thinking that we're great people. So, hey, I really (laughs) appreciate you, Scott. Thank you for everything you do. And I want you to know, local listeners, welcome and thank you for listening to another episode of MP Local, where we are here for you. And I'm Jason Cass. And I'm Scott Nierman. And you are not alone. We are out.